0: We've been in this series over the last four weeks across all of our Rise campuses, called "All the Fields," and uh, in every age group, in every age and stage, we've been doing the same series but with different names, so that we can make sure that we cover off this topic, which is just so so important when we're talking about our lives, and particularly in the modern world that we're living in, and. Uh, you know, just to, just to learn how to deal with our emotions, how to have those things. And if you've missed any of the series, I just want to catch, catch you up. If you've been around, then it's good for you to remember that, number one, God has emotions. That number two, God made us to have emotions as well. We are emotional. Uh, number three emotions are all through the Bible and number four emotions are a part of our life our growth and our maturity if we're going to reach wholeness and we're going to achieve all that we're created to achieve then we're going to have to learn how to handle our emotions and how to work with them and if you've missed any of the series for whatever reason I do encourage you to jump onto YouTube and just search Arise Church on there if you don't already follow us and you'll be able to watch all of the messages in this series they're all there and uh, because we want to Help you as you journey forward. Also, would encourage everybody who's part of our church family to be a part of a life group. Just so important that you have people in your world that you are talking about things that you're walking through life with and that you're able to strengthen each other as we move forward in Jesus' name. But today, we're going to be talking about anger. We're going to be talking about anger. And I bet that I'm not the only person in the church this morning who's ever lost their rag, blown up in anger, done something because you're mad that you regret in the future? Has anybody else ever done anything? Yeah, well, I I have to tell you, everybody, in Christchurch, there's a lot of people who are lying in this meeting because they didn't lift up their hands. But uh, I I just know there's a lot of angry people in Whangarei anyway. But uh, (laughs) just kidding, Aaron Alverson's the nicest man on earth. But uh, my wife and I like to laugh about a time when I lost my... Temper about 15 years ago, um, we had small children, and it would appear that I had spent too much time with these small children. And we were one day driving, we had to go to the mall and pick up something really quickly. And so we drove in, and as we drove into the mall, realized that one of the children had fallen asleep in the backseat of the car. So um, we decided what we would do is this particular mall in Auckland had a uh, five-minute car park out right at the front. So we decided we would use that five-minute car park. I would stay in the car with the kids, and Annie would just rush in and get uh, whatever it was we needed. Um, so I'm sitting in the car, and exactly five minutes after I parked, the car park attendant comes over to me, and he says, excuse me, sir, you've been here for five minutes. You have to move now. I look around, and all the other five-minute car parks, there's nobody in them. So I'm like, oh, well, hey, hey, bud, like, um, my wife's just gone inside real quick. I've got kids asleep in the back seat of the car. I don't really want to move. There's no one else in these other car parks. Somebody else could, you know, if they want it, they can use the other ones. And this and this guy is just like, no, I'm sorry, sir. You've had your five minutes. You have to move right now, or you're going to get a ticket. And something just began to bubble up inside of me. And, and I know he's just doing his job, but I was a bit frustrated. I got, I got angry. I got angry, and, and I tried to convince him, and uh, you know, I, I can definitely talk, and, uh, I, but he wouldn't listen, and he's like, no, you got to move right now, so I'm going to get a ticket, and, and it got under my skin, and so I just felt like I had to give him a piece of my mind. So I turned to this man, and I said, okay then, Mr. Poo-Poo Head, and then I drove away. Turns out I needed to spend a little bit less time with four and five-year-old boys and probably a bit more adult company was going to give me better, um, better words. But, uh, and I needed to work on my anger. And uh, so, you know, I think everybody here would say that at a moment or in places in life, we've reacted out of anger, made decisions Taking action that we wish we could change. You wish you could get those words back. I just wish I could have just taken those words back. And, uh, and there is there is just a need for us to learn how to handle our anger. At the same time, there is a positive side to anger. Anger can inspire us to do the right things as well. There is a there is a godly anger, and we need to learn how to harvest that in its right way. There is a there is a anger that gets us in motion on areas of injustice and inequality. I know that there's a certain feeling that I have when I consider the plight of children that are growing up in extreme poverty, both here and around the world. That's why we engage with World Vision in our work with Malawi. We also engage, as you saw just earlier, in Big Hearts at Christmas to make sure that no child in New Zealand doesn't have the opportunity to celebrate Christmas to some form or another because there is a righteous anger that helps us to step into injustice. But we're gonna have to learn how to work with our anger, how to handle it as we move forward. So if we're going to do that, we're going to have to start by looking at the Bible, and we're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter number four and verse 25 to 27, where it says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body, one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not Give the devil a foothold. And starting off talking about anger, I think it's just important for us to remember that anger is not a sin in and of itself. It is an emotion. It is not a sin. Many times we lose control of ourselves because we are angry and then we sin. But anger in itself is not a sin. And the Bible says, in your anger, don't sin. In other words, there is a way to be angry and not to sin. And we're going to look at how Jesus did that as we move forward. It is important for us to remember that, that God... Gets angry. We see that in the Bible, and we know that God is number one, love, and number two, God never sins. So we know that anger can be motivated from a right motive and it can actually produce good results if we use it correctly. But I mean, we would all know as well that sometimes anger in our lives, many times, has caused us to do things that we regret and that we wish we could change. The Bible talks about anger in many places as being compared to a fire. It talks about how we can kindle anger, how anger can become a flame and how it can burn. And I think the analogy is pretty obvious for us to understand that a fire that is in a fireplace can be helpful, it can be warm, it can it can produce good things, but when a fire is out of control, it can do incredible damage and it can really destroy things in people's lives. So it is with anger is that when our anger gets out of control, it is incredibly destructive and it can do, have incredibly negative consequences both in our lives, the lives of people around us and in the relationships that we have. And so we need to make sure that the fire of anger is quenched by the water of forgiveness in our lives, that we don't allow it to take control because it has the potential to spread and to destroy and to undermine the work of God in our lives. Are you with me this morning? The the devil, you got to know the devil hates God. The devil hates God's people. The devil hates all people. And when he finds someone who has sparks of anger, that are residing in their heart. He is gonna do everything he can to pour fuel on that fire. He is gonna try and fan that into an uncontrollable fire so that he can wreak havoc in the lives of people. But God wants us to learn how to use that in a constructive way to not give the devil a foothold by holding on to our anger, but actually in our anger to not sin and to move forward in our lives. Jesus talked about anger in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, probably the most famous of Jesus' messages, where from Matthew 5 through 7, he reframes how we are going to live our lives, taking what God gave us in the Old Testament and reframing it. In the new in terms of the new life that Jesus came to give us. And he he took fundamental, made fundamental changes without altering God's standards. And what he was really trying to do was get everybody from focusing on what happened on the outside to what happened on the inside. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, said that righteousness consisted of certain actions, but Jesus said no. Righteousness is actually an inward thing where we are changed by by the power of God on the inside of our lives. It's not about lists of actions that are sinful. It's actually about sin comes from our hearts. And that's why we're talking about our emotions, our hearts, so that we can learn to work with those things in order to live the life that God wants us to live. God transforms us not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And, And so we need to be transformed in these places. And here's what Jesus said, Matthew 5, verses 21 to 26. You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. And if you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with somebody, you are subject to judgment. And if if you call somebody an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse somebody, you're in danger of the fire's of hell. Jesus is really escalating this thing. He's saying, hey, listen, anger is murder in your heart. It is is what happens. And this word that Jesus uses here for anger is a word that means a settled anger, a malice. It means something that is nursed inwardly. And it is clear that we cannot allow anger to stay in our hearts. I mean, Jesus is saying, don't nurse it, don't hold on to it. We read earlier in Ephesians, they're saying, hey, listen, uh, don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, let's keep a very short time frame around the ex- time that we are going to experience this emotion of anger. It can't be something that we live with because if we live with it, it will escalate. What we need to do is to understand it and t- learn how to take action Because of our anger, in a positive way, and we're going to keep working forward as we go with these things. So last week, I just want to clarify, last week we were talking about disappointment, and we said in last week's message that disappointment, the season of disappointment, can be a long season. It can last a long time. But when it comes to anger, it is something that we actually control in our lives, so we need to make a decision to keep that time frame very short. That is the thing that we need to remember, because it is a fire that will burn out of control if we don't Put it out quickly, and it's only logical thing that anger tends to do if we hold on to it is escalate in our lives, fires grow. And you're going to see that even as Jesus is talking here. He says, listen, you've got to understand if you let anger stay in your heart, then you're probably, the next step is you're going to start calling that person a fool. Then the next thing is you're going to start cursing that person. It is an escalation of anger that is being displayed through the scriptures here. And you've seen that in your own life and in the lives of others. We've got to learn how to do that. And, and because Jesus says, if you let anger stay, then what's going to happen is you're going to come under judgment. Now, the question you've got to ask is what kind of judgment? Well, the judgment is the same judgment that you are releasing against other people. See, in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1, Jesus says, Don't judge or you will be judged the same way we judge others we will be judged ourselves, and with the measure we use will be measured back to us. So Jesus is saying that when we stand up and say that person was wrong, that person needs to be dealt with, that person needs to experience my wrath, what we are saying is now, I am the judge, I am the jury, and I am the executioner. I am going to decide what's right. Well, the moment that we decide what is right, we better make sure that we are right. The problem is that everybody knows we're not right. we are all done the wrong thing in life, and there is only one who is right, and His name is Jesus. So we need to let Him be the judge. He is the only righteous judge, and what we need to do is live our lives with grace and forgiveness in the center of our world. That's why the fire of anger needs to be put out with the water of forgiveness in our lives. There is only one righteous judge, and when I choose To forgive people, even though they've made me angry, what I am doing is modeling the life that Christ has actually modeled to us. On the cross of Calvary, Jesus on the cross, didn't just forgive the people who put him on the cross, but he also prayed and asked God to forgive those people as well. And that's what God's calling us to do, to live that kind of life, to take up our cross and follow him, to model what Jesus did on the cross. People, and many, many people have come under the judgment of their anger because they have held on to it in their lives. And we all know stories. And maybe you would say that it's even true in your own life, that we have had something happen to us. We have gotten angry. And then as a result of our anger, done something that was worse than what was done to us in the first place. What's that? That's about a fire that begins to burn out of control. It escalates and it does more damage than what the original offense had done. Here's what you need to know. No matter what, two wrongs will never Make a right. The only one who can make it right is Jesus. So we've got to learn to give it to Him, not hold on to it, to not sin in our anger, to deal with it quickly. Don't let the sun go down. Don't give the devil a foothold in our lives so that we avoid coming under that judgment and we can live in the freedom that Christ came to give us. So if we're not going to get angry and we're not just going to vent and take it out on people, what are we going to do with our anger? Well, the great news is that Jesus many situations where he got angry. And the Bible records Jesus being angry. And so I wanna look at one of those situations where he got angry. It's found in Mark chapter three in verse number three to five. And it says these words about Jesus that he, he went into the synagogue and a man was there with a shriveled hand. And some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, come up here and stand up here in front of everybody. Then Jesus asked them, what is lawful to do on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. And he looked around at them in anger. I want you to notice that Jesus was angry. Deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. I want us to look at the story. I've got four quick points today that I really do believe are going to help people. If you've got a notepad, pen, you've got a phone, anything like that, take notes this morning because I really do believe it's going to help you. But number one, the first thing we need to do when we feel angry is to acknowledge our anger. I want you to notice the Bible is very clear. Jesus was angry. He was angry. He didn't try to deny it, didn't try to push it away. Jesus was angry. I am not angry is not true. Because if you weren't angry, you wouldn't be shouting, right? But so often we try to say, no, I'm not angry, but we forget the fact that anger is not necessarily a bad thing. But what anger is there to do is to cause us to engage in a problem. He was angry, so he engaged. Healthy anger is gonna help us to engage in things that break God's heart. Injustice, evil, wrong. These things Jesus is gonna empower. Uh, allow us to feel the emotion of anger. So we step in. But when we try to deny the fact that we are angry, all we are doing is allowing that anger to burn in an uncontrolled way. Uh, if you heard me speak last night, you would have heard, uh, last week, you would have heard me talk about the fact that when you name an emotion, you gain power over it. In fact, we, we know that the brain, when we, when we name an emotion, the place that the brain is processing that emotion switches from the place where fear is created to the place where logical reasoning happens. So in other words, you will set the stage by naming your emotion, by admitting that you feel angry, you set the stage for you to bring rational thought to your anger. You can reason, you can think, you can move forward. But when we try to deny it, all we are really doing is allowing that fire to grow and to burn stronger. So we have gotta know that we need to acknowledge our anger. The Bible clearly states that Jesus was angry. Acknowledge your anger. The second thing that we need to do is we need to restrain our response. You to restrain your response. James chapter one and verse 19 says these words. Brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. A lot of people, quick to speak, quick to get angry, and they won't listen to anybody. The Bible is saying, no, 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 we should be using the two ears, one mouth rule, and realizing that even further down that equation is how long it should take us to get angry. We should be slow to get angry because our anger is not gonna produce what God is wanting to produce. And it, it might feel good to lose it. It might feel good to vent and really blow your stack at somebody or something, but it probably won't help. And it certainly won't have a godly impact when we lose it like that. And when we read the story of Jesus, what I see is an abundance of restraint on the part of our Savior. I mean, have a look at it. When He asks them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or evil? Is it lawful to kill or to give life? And they don't answer. Now, I want you to ask yourself the question, in all honesty, if you ask somebody a question and they don't answer you because they don't want to, they could, but they don't want to, how does that feel? I'm going to answer it. It's growing frustration and even more anger. I mean, I'm going to get ticked off, right? You know, it's just like, answer me now, you know? But what Jesus does is He shows incredible restraint because He doesn't even talk to them again. The Bible says He's angry, but He turned His focus from them to the man. Something, sometimes saying nothing is the best thing you can say. I think there's a verse in Proverbs that says, even a fool is thought wise by keeping his mouth shut, you know? It's been a life verse for me, but... Um, Some of you will get there later, but we need to restrain our response. My mum used to say when we were kids, if you sin in haste, you will repent in leisure. And we've got to learn what it is to hold it in. The most common but destructive responses when angry are to take it out on the people who are around us. We vent, we lose control, we have we have outbursts of anger in our lives, and they flow out like uncontrolled fire in our relationships. But also, there'd be people listening to this message this morning, and you'd say, well, I'm not like that. What I do, I get." angry and I withdraw. And I, and, I, and, I, and I take that as an angry withdrawal. It's a, it's a silence which rings in the air. It's, a, it's another way of expressing anger. It's, it's different, but it has the same negative consequences in our lives. And we can avoid those negative consequences by choosing to re- refuse to take the action that we typically take when we're angry. We can refuse to take our normal course of action. So for me, when my children were small, every, every now and then I would sit down with them individually and just say, hey, listen, how could I be a better dad? Tell me what I could do better for you, for your siblings, for, in, in the family. How could I be a better dad? And I'll never forget one time asking one of my children how I could be a better dad. And their response would be, if I would stop getting so angry at one of their siblings. And here's the, here's the sentence that was said to me. It said, I know that what they do Isn't good sometimes, but I don't think that getting mad is helping. (coughs) And as hard as that was to swallow, I took that advice. And I said, okay, I've actually got to deal with my anger. I've got to take responsibility. I'm actually meant to be the adult here raising these kids, right? So what I did is i would put this particular child in a timeout scenario, you can go and sit over there. And then what I was really doing, it looked like I was putting the kid in timeout. I was actually putting Brent in timeout. Till I got control of my anger. And I just want to encourage everybody who's here that we need to restrain our response. Maybe you need to put yourself in timeout. Maybe you just need to walk away. Maybe you need to count to 10 before you respond. Maybe you just need to plaster a smile as fake as it might be on your face and try to just think about how you could be blessing to somebody and, uh, and don't allow that anger to flow out because your human anger is not going to produce the righteousness that God wants us to have. It's, it's not going to help. And it's not going to produce the results that you really want either. Not deep down, the results you really want. Because you're coming from a place of feeling anger or injustice or whatever is motivating you. You actually want to fix the problem. If you want to fix the problem, the best way to do it is not to blow your stack. So we're going to learn how to restrain our response in, in life. Restrain our response. Don't frame your response by your anger. Restrain your response. Third thing you're going to do is find the focus. Find the focus. You've got to find the focus of your anger. If you're going to be angry, why not be good at it? Because it's easy to be angry. And then why are you angry about I don't know. I'm just angry. Well, that doesn't help anybody. What are you actually angry about? And I love the fact that Jesus goes into this and He begins to talk about what He is angry about. He says He's angry because of their stubborn hearts. He's angry because they're stubborn hearts. They were more interested in their opinion than in a guy who had a withered hand being healed. They were more interested in trying to prove it, trying to catch him off guard, than they were about the welfare of somebody else. So Jesus got angry about that. And then I think that for Jesus, if you really drill it down, uh, I mean, God hates all sickness. God doesn't want anybody to be unwell in any way, shape, or form. God wants us to enjoy life. And Jesus came that we could have life in all its fullness, not limited by any sickness or any challenge in our, any, any physical challenges in our world, but being able to live a life in health and in healing. So Jesus is ticked off because these guys, their stubborn hearts, were working against the good that he wanted to do in somebody's life. And here's the thing we need to see is that once he focused on what his actual anger was directed on, he was able to realize the right next steps in his world. If he had responded in anger to the people who made him angry, he wouldn't actually get get the result that he really wanted. So he changed his focus from the people making him angry to the result that he was trying to accomplish and he focused on this man. Now here's the thing in life that we need to know is that for Jesus, when He got angry, He was right. It's not always going to be true for us. I've been angry about many things, but when I look back, I realize that that actually, nobody else did anything wrong. It was just something that was going on in my own life. Everybody here who's honest is going to say that's the same thing. And fear can trigger in your life. And when fear triggers, fear is going to always create, not always, but most times, for a lot of people, it's going to create a response of anger When I'm afraid, you're either going to have a fight or you're going to flight is the kind of the two options. For me, I'm going to step up most times and I'm going to become aggressive. I'm going I'm to feel that anger. And what we need to do in our lives is to really understand why we are angry. Because if we don't ever focus on why we are angry, then we can't know whether it is about that we need to someone else, that we need to talk about something with somebody else about what they're doing, or whether we really actually need somebody to talk with us about the way that we're responding. And so we have to learn what it is to go through these things. So here's a bunch of questions. If we're going to if we're going to grow, we have to admit when we're wrong, by the way. So ask yourselves these questions. What kind of actions made me angry? What words made me angry? What was it that really got to me? How did how did they wrong me? How serious is this offense? I mean, I think everybody knows that you know there there are levels of offense and our response should be proportional to those things. And Find the focus. What exactly made you angry? Keep asking why until you have drilled down right to the source of what has made you angry. And then you've got the ability. And point number four is to choose constructive action. Choose constructive action. And the band's going to join me on stage as we talk about this. But I want you to look at what Jesus did. Because Jesus only took constructive steps forward even in the middle of his anger. The first thing he did is he got the man to stand up. He said, hey, stand up in front of everybody. And, uh, and then he asked them all a question. He's asking them questions as he's going around the Sabbath. What's right? What's wrong? He's looking at those things. Then he looked around at them, waiting for them to answer. I want you to notice this is very, very clever what Jesus does Is he puts the onus of responsibility for the moving forward of the conversation on somebody else. He doesn't, in His anger, keep control of what's happening in the room, but He allows other people to run it while He is processing the options that are available to Him. Wherever you are, I need you to know that you always have options. You have the power to choose your response in any and in every situation, and you'll win or you'll lose by the way that you choose. And so Jesus is actually giving Himself space and time And he is now in a place where he is looking at options. I believe he's praying. I believe that he is trying to think of what is the right thing to do. And he's thinking about what's made me angry. And he gets to the focus of realizing what he really wants in this situation is for this man to be healed. So then his focus comes off the crowd. Because there is no longer any point in going at the crowd. Because they are not the ones who can accomplish the desired result. But many times what we do in life is we feel angry because something is stopping us achieving what we want to achieve. So we, get, so we vent at the thing that is stopping us instead of saying, what is the best option for me now to move forward? I need to take constructive action. So that means I need to do something that is going to help me achieve what it is that I really want to achieve. Jesus had options and He took the best one. And we need to learn what it is to take constructive action. We're going to choose constructive action. And He says to the man, stretch out your hand and he is healed. Let me ask you these questions. What's another way to approach the situation when you're feeling angry? What's another way to look at this? I wonder when I'm feeling angry in the middle of this, what might God say? I wonder if maybe when I'm feeling angry about a situation, Do I need to talk with somebody whom I respect, maybe a life group leader, somebody in my world who can help me to gain a greater view? Because often I have responded from the first thing that came into my mind in the middle of anger. And most times when I do that, I regret it. If we're gonna learn to live lives that are free from regret, the best way to do that is to make great decisions in the here and the now. So we're gonna analyze our options. We're gonna choose to take constructive action. When you're angry, it's really easy to take destructive action. But we are got to make constructive action in our lives. Jesus realized I can't change these Pharisees, but I can change this man's life forever. And so I'm going to pray for him and I'm going to release healing in his life. We have to make constructive action. And I want to encourage everybody, if you're in a situation and you're thinking, man, I can't take constructive action now. I just feel so angry. It is totally overwhelming me. Right now, this fire is burning on the inside, and I don't know how I can control this fire, how I can get it down, how I can damp it down in my life. Here's what I want you to do. Pray. Pray. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus just simply says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for people who are ticking you off. In the middle of that moment, Make a decision to pray. And what's going to happen is instead of becoming the judge, you are going to give the situation to God. He is the judge. It is His responsibility ultimately and not ours. And we need to give Him what is His and take responsibility for our actions. You can't control anybody else. You can only be in control of yourself. But as Pastor John likes to say, if you try to control everybody else, most times you're going to lose control yourself. There's no greater event to our emotion of anger than to give it to God. Good news, he's big enough to hear it. He won't take it personally and it won't freak him out. But he will be able to take that from us and to give us grace to move forward. We've got to choose constructive action. Would you stand with me all over this room and every campus? Would you stand wherever you are from Whangarei to Dunedin this morning? Stand to your feet. As we come to a close, I just want to talk to you about a book that I read uh, several years ago that was simply called, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And it's a book about personal growth and development. A lot of it's about character. And in the middle of the book, it talks about how people get to places of influence and of leadership. And there are certain behaviors that they have been modeled, certain behaviors that they have lived out. And oftentimes our belief is that we got here because of those behaviors. And then there's just this one line in the book. It wasn't just one line. It was kind of repeated, but I certainly got it in one line. When the man says, it's not always true. Sometimes you got here not because of your behaviors, but despite them. And I realized as I was reading that book. I realized that there have been times in my life, in my journey, where I had used anger against people in order to get them to motivate them, to get them moving faster, to keep things going. And as I was looking at that, I realized Man, I thought that we were having some success because of that. But actually, I knew God was speaking to me and saying, no, you're having success despite that. And I had to go to work to deal with my anger, to deal with that emotion. And I I know there's people all over this room, and even as I'm speaking, all over every campus just saying, hey, you know what? My anger at times has been an uncontrolled fire in my life. and I need to deal with this thing. I just want to let you know a couple of really good things. Number one, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God has grace for every person. Whatever you've walked through in your life, however you've experienced this thing, God is able to work in your life and to cause you to live in victory. And so we're gonna pray this morning. And I believe right here that the grace of God is gonna fill every life that's struggling with this. I believe the power of God is gonna come over people. You need to be forgiven of things. You might have to talk with somebody, might have to share it with, with trusted people in your life group, whatever. But here's the thing, my friend, is that God is able to work in your situation. So come on, in every campus, would you lift your hands to heaven, close your eyes? And I'm gonna pray, and then I'm gonna release you back to your campus pastor. But Father, I thank you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, that your grace is sufficient for us. And I'm praying for every person who struggles in this area of anger, that right here, right now, Lord, You would release Your grace in their lives. I'm praying right now that You would empower us to make great decisions, to only take constructive action, to take on the truth of Your Word, that it would change our hearts, our lives, and cause us to live differently in Jesus' name. I pray right here, right now, let Your Holy Spirit sweep across every campus and move by the power of God in Jesus' name. And come on, church, together, let's lift up voices. Let's sing this song together.